Good morning to everyone. Uh, welcome back for those who were with us uh, yesterday and uh, welcome for the first time for those who are joining today. So the, the theme for this weekend is about effort and uh, how to apply effort in a, a skillful way. And just to uh, recap a, a couple of the principal points for, that I was making yesterday, uh, Oftentimes we, uh, we hear Buddhist teachings um, and there's a lot about, uh, say, training the mind or you know, working with the, the um, capacities that we have to uh, become peaceful, to become concentrated, to develop insight. Uh, and it can seem like that when we engage in doing any kind of uh, goal-oriented activity, then it becomes very stressful. I've got to do this. I sh I've got to get rid of that. I've got to be this way. I shouldn't be that way. So it can come across um, that even the work of meditation and developing peacefulness is stressful. And it can be also just in our general way of life that any kind of doing, uh, any kind of work or activity, any undertaking is seen as stressful. And peace is what we might experience when the, the doing is, is over. Uh, similarly, uh, we can think, well, I want to be peaceful. And so any kind of desiring or any kind of goal directedness, any, any kind of aim uh, is necessarily not spiritual or is sort of getting in the way of, of true peace. Therefore, peace means not doing, not engaging, so sort of dissociating from things or just switching off. And uh, this is, these are sweeping statements and probably uh, a number of you don't think that way, but these are often, uh, say, mental habits that we have and, and tendencies that we incline towards without, without realizing it. So uh, what I was presenting yesterday and we'll, we'll sort of develop more uh, today as a theme is how effort can be made, direction can be given um, that is completely uh, in accordance with, with, with peacefulness, with clarity, with, with uh, qualities that are, are liberating and that uh, it, we should know that the, the Buddha spoke in terms of, of a path, the Eightfold Path. You know, it's a, a path heading in a particular direction, and the direction is the ending of dukkha, the, the uh, freedom of the heart, uh, what we call enlightenment or liberation. So there's a path and there's a, there's a goal, and so that uh, uh, is something that we need to, to be taking into account, and that it's not an accident that the Buddha spoke in that way, and that um, we are, uh, say, uh, 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 see, taking this opportunity to discover what the Buddha meant or how he was using language to say, in, uh, help people to arrive at that quality of enlightenment, liberation, and that, uh, um, that also by um, seeing that the, the, uh, ex the exercising of effort, the doing of work, having a direction, and so on and so forth, there has to be a way but that's in, in accordance with, with truth, it's in, it's in accordance with peace. Otherwise, right effort, some vayama or, or balanced effort, could not be a part of the Eightfold Path. Yeah. So that there must be some, some way that uh, the way that we work, the way that we do things, engaging in activity and decision-making, goal-directedness, there has to be a way that that isn't stressful, but rather that is something that can be, can be done with, um, with an attitude of peacefulness and clarity, and that peace doesn't just depend on switching off or, or not feeling or not experiencing. It's not that peace doesn't come from an absence of irritation or activity. Peace comes from, uh, I would say, uh, an attuned uh, understanding, a right attitude, right understanding 
and a, uh, a way of holding the field of experience in, in a skillful fashion. So that uh, is, uh, say, the basic outline of, of the theme for this, this weekend, and hopefully what was presented yesterday, the kind of practices we did together, that's something that is, uh, uh, is helpful, beneficial, or for those who are participating. And I'll try to extend that a bit more today, and particularly talking about the quality of balance and how to balance effort, you know, not, uh, not trying too hard or, or uh, not trying hard enough or, or trying in a, in a way that is not, uh, not stressful, rather is, is invigorating and, and liberating. Uh, maybe one of the first things to say about balance is that even though it's a word, <laughs> balance is a word, and we have a concept of what it means, the actuality of balance, it, it's not an idea, it's not just a piece of information, it's like a, a, a whole body learning, a whole being learning. So you can't learn to ride a bicycle by reading a book about it. You can't learn to swim uh, or walk a tightrope by reading a book about it. You've actually got to get on the bicycle and, and make the effort. You've got to get in the water and get wet to, to, to learn how to swim. You actually got to step out onto a, a, a wire to learn how to, to tightrope, uh, to walk the, the tightrope. So that, that uh, the idea is one thing, but the actuality of, of balance, it's a non-conceptual, non-verbal quality. It's a, a whole, like with, with riding a bicycle, it's a whole body learning. Certainly, you know, a book can give you some, some ideas about it or someone can uh, who's helping you can can say some words but there has to be a way that the, the the entire system is brought into into play and so with the quality of balance i want to to bring across my aim today is to bring across that principle that it's uh, it's not just about a, an idea of of say weighing up different mental qualities against each other but getting a feel for how they work together and then uh, just like riding a bicycle or swimming or, or walking on a, a tightrope, getting the feel for what is that, that quality of, of balance and, and integration and what uh, is, say, a, um, uh, what's out of balance. <laughs> so, so we get to know that not just a, as a set of concepts or uh, kind of lists of, of, of words in English or Pali, but rather there's a, the, a feel for it, that, that, that kind of non-conceptual, um, uh, and uh, whole body learning in relationship to that. One of the, the interesting teachings um, on this area uh, about skillful effort is that the, actually the very, the very first sutta in the connected discourses, what's called the Sangyutta Nikaya. So sutta number one, sutta number one chapter one, um, there is a conversation between the Buddha and, and a deva and the, the deva asks the Buddha, how was it that you crossed the flood? How was it that you got from, from the, the shore of, of samsara, of confusion and, and, and difficulty and, and um, uh, alienation? How did you get from that the, the, the shore of samsara across the flood to the shore of Nibbana, to, to peacefulness and to, to freedom? How did you cross the flood? So the imagery is out of crossing a... a, a, a of a large river. And then the Buddha responded by saying, uh, when, I, uh, when, I, uh, when I pressed forward, when I, when I pushed hard, then I got swept away by the current. Uh, when I stood still, when I, when I, when I uh, didn't make any effort, then I sank. 
And it said, by neither pressing forward nor by, nor by stopping still, that's how I crossed the flood. He doesn't give much more explanation than that in that sutta, but I feel it, it gives a, a helpful image. It's by, by neither trying too hard nor not trying hard enough. Um, and also, uh, in a way, letting go of that, you know, I, sh I should be this way, I shouldn't be that way, um, then, uh, but actually getting a feel for, for the situation. That's how the, the Buddha crossed the, the, the flood. So that's, if you want to look that up in the suttas, it's right at the very beginning, for, you know, chapter one, page one of the Connected Discourses. So in terms of finding a balance, then uh, there's a, a number of uh, lists of, of, uh, of qualities that, that the, the Buddha outlined that I, I felt it would be helpful, uh, interesting to introduce, to talk about today. And uh, the first of these is called the five spiritual faculties. And in terms of, of how we make uh, effort, how we direct the mind, how we inform the choices that, uh, that we make, how we, we, we frame our experience of the world, these, these five qualities are, are very significant. So these are called, in Pali, the five indriya, uh, known as the, the five spiritual faculties. And uh, they're, uh, they're, the image of a bird is often used to describe these qualities and how they work together. So the, the five in a list are, uh, are faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Uh, those, are, those are the five. And the imagery of a bird is that the, at the center, you have mindfulness, sati. That's like the, the body of the bird at the very center. And then the, the two wings on either side, you have qualities that are in pairs. So the first pair are faith and wisdom. They're sort of on the, the outlying pair. And then the, the, the inner pair are energy, and concentration, and then it's mindfulness that is right there in the center. And, and I'll talk more about mindfulness later on in the day if everything works out okay. Um, I've had a little bit of uh, uh, computer dukkha <laughs> here, so I'm, I'm speaking through an, an iPad this morning, but uh, my, the Amaravati tech department are doing their best to sort of get everything back uh, functioning in, a, in an efficient way. So. Uh, um, I'll, I'll uh, carry on with this mode for the time being. I might change to a different mode uh, later on this morning. Anyway, so uh, employing my spiritual faculties, I had faith that the IT department would be able to do something, but the wisdom to know it's not necessarily the case. But uh, anyway, I see my, uh, my, my main computer is seeming to come alive in the background. So the, um, uh, the quality of mindfulness is what is uh, kind of, it's the overseeing the the, um, the the watchful element that is noticing what's going on and how things are working together so that's the that's like the, the body of the bird the life source of the bird is right there at the center is this quality uh, of mindfulness of sati and that is what is recognizing what's going on and how things are working and so um that is uh, the the kind of uh, the, the governing or the regulating uh, element is, uh, is mindfulness. So with faith and wisdom as a pair, then faith in, in Buddhism doesn't mean belief. It doesn't mean uh, sort of filling up the unknown with a belief or an opinion or a, 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 but rather 
It's more to do with the quality of confidence um, and being ready to, to sort of step forward into the unknown or like using the imagery of, of riding a bicycle. It's okay that to say climbing on the bicycle and, and recognizing, okay, I, I think I can do this or that I, I hope I can learn how to do this. Let's give it a try and see how things go. So sadha or faith is that readiness to, uh, to fa uh, face the unknown with an open heart. And then panya or wisdom, that's the, the, the discerning faculty that is, um, uh, uh, is recognizing, okay, how is this done? Okay, I put, where, where do I put my hands? Okay, hands on the handlebars. What do I do with my feet? The feet go on the pedals. Okay, now uh, I'm not going to be able to do anything until somebody's <laughs> given me a bit of guidance. So, uh, so then I asked the person who's teaching me, okay, now, how do I do this? What do I, what do I do first? Do I move my left foot or my right foot? Or, or what's, what's the way to operate this? So when faith and wisdom are, are well balanced, then they, they, are, uh, they inform each other. So faith is that quality of trust or confidence, that readiness to go into the, the unknown. And uh, wisdom in this, this respect the, that is the, the kind of discerning, exploring, okay, how does this work? What's going on here? Um, you know, what's the, what's the right, uh, right way to understand this? Or have I got everything that I, I need to know in relationship to this? particular task, this particular effort. And so when they, uh, when they get out of balance, where there's too much faith and not enough wisdom, then uh, we can be overconfident or think, I don't, need anyone, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. Or it can be a kind of credulousness. Well, the, the Ajahn said this, so it must be true. Or I read it in a book. I saw it on the internet. I saw this YouTube video about it and it told me uh, such and such. And so uh, if it was on the internet, it must be true. And that kind of credulousness, uh, e the e believing too easily or going along with what we hear or we, what we think or our, our, our habits without, uh, in an overly trusting, uh, non, um, as a, uh, an unthoughtful, a reckless way, like the word wreck. Uh, we don't use wreck, we use in English very often, but it means like uh, from the, uh, uh, it comes from the same root as to reckon or to, to measure, to, to consider. So when we're reckless uh, or when we have too much faith, not enough wisdom, then we are, uh, say, not looking where we're going or we're not uh, uh, receiving advice or input. So we can be, we can be uh, believing too easily and be motivated without thoughtfulness. Too much, uh, too much of the wisdom faculty and not enough faith, then the mind goes towards being uh, lost in conceptualization thinking things through, I, I need more information, I've got to have every detail, uh, you know, I, I need to read books about riding a bicycle, or uh, I need to read at least, you know, four or five books about how to swim before I get in the water. Like, the mind is getting drawn into conceptualization and, and uh, uh, losing track of what the task actually is. So when there's too much of the wisdom side and not enough faith, then we get lost in conceptualization. So that when they are, uh, and it's the, the quality of mindfulness or, or sati at the center, which helps those, uh, those two to be balanced. We can, uh, can get a feeling for, oh, I'm being too trusting or I'm being too credulous or that I need to, to, um, to, to ramp up the, the, uh, the investigation and the, the quality of consideration and the, the conceptual side. Or I'm getting too conceptual, I'm getting lost in theory, 
I, I don't need to need to, I don't really need to have so much information. I think I, I know enough to get going. So okay, let's get on the bicycle and, and try it out. Let's get in the water and start start splashing and seeing how this this works. So that that uh, the quality of mindfulness is what's reckoning when things are out of balance, and then also it's that source of uh, of attunement that is able to recognize, okay, now this is working, or yeah, I, I'm beginning to get the hang of it. Okay, this this feels like a good direction. Let's keep going in this way. So that, that um, uh, in terms of how to inform the effort that we make, then uh, those two, having the, the, the faith element and the wisdom element integrated in a balanced way, having those, sort of the, those tips of the wings coordinated is uh, extremely important. The other two, uh, energy and concentration, virya and samadhi in the Pali language, uh, these are uh, equally important to, to balance. So virya is that sense of, of engagement, energy, uh, you know, that is a very sort of direct translation from the Pali, that quality uh, of vitality or uh, uh, you know, alertness, the energy in the mind. And uh, so that uh, that needs to be balanced with concentration. Concentration is the ability to pay attention to a single object, to pay attention to the to the present moment, and to um, to be uh, focusing on, on that in a, a stable and well um, well balanced, well considered way. So, if we have too much energy and not enough concentration, then the mind veers towards restlessness. There's a the kind of agitation, there's a lot of energy, the mind is very alert, but you can't sit still. The mind is, is prone to chasing off after our thoughts or sounds that we hear or memories, ideas. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, the body is, is uh, uh, tending towards being stressed and tense and, and there's a, 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 a quality of busyness, uh, a, a, a stressfulness in the whole uh, the um, inclination of the mind and the, and the body. So too much concentration and not enough energy, then the mind is uh, is focused, but it can become extremely dull. So that yes, it's it, the attention is on a single point, but the 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 level of brightness uh, can have dimmed quite considerably. And yesterday we we're talking about these um, uh, how to work with in the one of the questions how to work with, with dullness in meditation. So that is often the case. You can, you can be quite concentrated, but the mind can be very, very dull. Like when you have a, a torch and the battery is running down. And so you've got one little spot of light right in the middle and you can still see a little bit. There's still a bit of light coming from the torch, but essentially it's, it's, a, it's reduced to a very, very small spot. You can see clearly, but it's, very, uh, it's a very small area and the rest is all in darkness. And so that uh, that is a very common experience in meditation. So too much concentration, not enough energy. The samadhi and the virya are out of balance with each other. And again, and uh, some of the meditation guidance I was giving yesterday was around um, that, uh, say, uh, integrating the, the qualities of energy and alertness, uh, and so that the, the, the mind is bright and awake, uh, but also there's a quality of ease and realization, a settledness that's there in the body and in the mind as well. And once again, it's, it's the, the, the element of mindfulness, that's like the right at the center, that's the body of the bird. And uh, it's recognizing 
um, okay, uh, that uh, I feel very peaceful, the mind seems to be quite steady, but um, uh, that, uh, that strange sound that I'm hearing, that's uh, actually me snoring. So that, uh, yeah, this is peaceful, but it's a, it's a, a switched off peacefulness and it's not very bright, not very, not very alert. Similarly, yeah, the mind is really, uh, really bright, really, really kind of attentive, you know, fully awake, but it's, uh, it's buzzing around all over the place. It's not settling on a single object. It's very uh, agitated and, and uh, they distracted, you know, you're pulled apart in, in different directions. So uh, the quality of mindfulness is recognizing, okay, you know, there's, uh, there's, uh, there needs to be more energy or less energy, more concentration, less concentration. And is, uh, it, it's, a, uh, it's a natural process so that that mindfulness isn't a calculation. It's not a how many more units of concentration I need, how many uh, units of, of uh, energy do I need to sort of drop down. It's not a calculation like you, with riding a bicycle or, or learning to swim. You're not calculating it. It's a, it's a quality of feeling. It's a, a whole body learning. And so that, uh, that aspect of, of balance, it's, uh, it's informed by, by mindfulness. So it's not just an idea or, or naming, or there's too much of this or too much, uh, not enough of that. There's you know, too much faith and not enough wisdom or too much, too much uh, wisdom, too much conceptualizing and not enough trust. Um, it's not just the idea of those, but the feel. Uh, the feeling of that, and the more that mindfulness is developed, the more that that uh, that that quality of feeling, that uh, that heartful attunement. So, in a way, along with mindfulness, we can also call it heartfulness. <laughs> that uh, there's a a, a, a a heartful attunement, a full appreciation of the time, the place, the situation, and so then that's it's much more unforced. There doesn't even have to be a naming of. Oh, I'm, I'm too. Uh, I'm too busy, or I'm too. Uh, I'm very sleepy. Without even naming it, it's like the, the you, know, you, you know what to do. You know the adjustments to make. Just like someone who's an accomplished swimmer, or someone who's you know, like a an Olympic Olympic bicycle rider, they don't have to be thinking about what they're doing. They they kind of the body knows what to do. They're they're so used to being on a bicycle, or so used to being in the water. The whole system is very familiar with that environment and, and knows exactly how to, to do things in the, the most effective and, uh, and say, a, a well-integrated uh, well way. So that's one model that I wanted to, to present uh, this morning. Um, and another model that relates to balance, um, you know, the Buddha was very, very gifted, not just of making lists, <laughs> but also of coming up with graphic images. So he didn't, he didn't uh, actually name the, the bird imagery with respect to the five indriya, at least I'm not aware that he did. I don't think he did. That's more so within the, the uh, forest tradition, meditation teachers are often use that as a way of talking about the five, the five spiritual faculties. But he did use this other image of a bonfire, looking after a bonfire uh, to talk about the balancing and integrating of spiritual qualities. So the, the framework here is uh, a little bit different and this is the framework of the, what's called the seven factors of enlightenment. So when the mind is fully awake, fully aware, then these seven qualities are present. And so uh, uh, to go through the list, you know, the seven are you know, first on the list in this instance is mindfulness. So mindfulness is number one. Number two is investigation of reality. 
Dhammavijaya in Pali. Uh, so that's uh, number two is in that investigation. Uh, yesterday I was talking about wise reflection a lot. That's uh, very very similar to investigation. They're almost almost synonymous. Almost synonymous. They're almost the same thing. So that number two on the list is investigation of reality. Then the, the third one is energy again. Uh, that virya, that uh, sort of a brightness and uh, uh, say uh, say uh, alert, energized quality of mind. And then the uh, the fourth one is rapture. Uh, so that uh, joyfulness uh, uh, that energy is got a, the the emotional tone, if you like, of that energy, which is uh, is joyful. It's enthusiastic. It's uh, a, a kind of a delight in that uh, the presence of that energy. So it's not just being alert; it's actually enjoying. <laughs> the, the joyfulness is there as part of the mix. Uh, then the the fifth one is uh, is uh, tranquility or calmness, um, a, a settledness called prasadhi. Uh, so that calmness. Then the sixth one is concentration, samadhi. Um, so there's uh, uh, again there's uh, some overlap with the five spiritual faculties. You got you got energy and concentration are, are in the list as well. And then the last one, the seventh of the seven, is serenity or equanimity, upeka. So again, you won't be tested on this, <laughs> but uh, just to to sort of put these together. So you uh, in this instance is in this instance we got mindfulness. Sati is number one on the list. And then you have the three energizing factors. So investigation, energy, and rapture or joy. Those are the three uh, uh, energizing factors. And then the next three are the calming factors. Pasadi, uh, so calmness, concentration, and, and uh, serenity. So they're the, the, the settling or calming factors. So the image that the Buddha gave with respect to, to these uh, aspects of the seven factors of enlightenment is um, that of uh, looking after a bonfire. Uh, uh, said so, so uh, when we we look after a uh, a bonfire, then if the uh, if the 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 fire is just getting going, the the flames are very small. It's a little bit smoky. He said, yeah, if the the fire is not uh, is not fully developed, then is it sensible? To put on wet, uh, wet leaves, to put on, to sprinkle it with earth, or to to uh, to sprinkle water on it, and then the the uh, the members of the sangha gathered there said, "No, it's not, because if you if the fire hasn't really got going, and you put on wet leaves, and you put you sprinkle it with earth, and you sprinkle water on it, then it's going to damp it down." He says, "So similarly, when the mind is sluggish, when it's dull, we don't need the calming factors. We don't need." Uh, things to sort of to, to make it quieter if you if your mind is already dull if there's not much if, if the batteries are kind of <laughs> a, a run down in your torch uh, you don't need to put in old another set of old batteries or even older batteries rather you need to use the energizing factors so if if the bonfire is uh, is just getting going it's it's barely uh, barely a light you put on dry grass you put on dry twigs you blow on it. You 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 uh, you ramp up the the uh, the the, uh, the the element of of 
uh, dryness and, and you give it more oxygen so the fire will catch and the bonfire will, will grow up to a, a, a good size and the, it, uh, the, the fire will burn in an efficient uh, and uh, helpful way. Then he said that, so uh, similarly, if you uh, have got a fire that's blazing away and is uh, already a bit bigger than you can control um, and is uh, uh, kind of uh, already raging, is it sensible to put on dry twigs, dry grass, and to blow on it? And they said, no, venerable sir, it's not. <laughs> because if you do that, then it's really going to get out of control. Um, so, so if, the, if, the, if the system is already energized, it's already very agitated and active, you don't need Dhamma Vijaya and, more, uh, and energy and, and rapture. Rather, you need uh, calmness, concentration, and equanimity. Those are the, the things that will cool it down. So that you, if the fire is really raging and blasting away, then you sprinkle some water on it. You put on some wet leaves. You uh, you sprinkle it with some earth, and it and it uh, brings the fire down to a much more controllable and uh, and balanced level. And so he uses the, this imagery of looking after a bonfire as to how to work with the mind. And again, it's mindfulness is the thing that's recognizing. Whoa, this fire is really out of control. Okay. Leave the dry wood and the, 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 the twigs aside. Let's get some wet leaves, put that on and damp it down a bit. That's, that's what's needed to, to bring things more into a balance. Or like, well, this fire is really, it needs to get going. It's hardly burning at all. Okay, blow on it, get some dry grass, kind of uh, get that to catch, get that to get some flames going and we can, we can liven it up. So uh, this image of the bonfire Tending the bonfire, I feel is is very very helpful, um, and that uh, that um, uh, along the way, because what happens with meditation, and many of you are probably extremely familiar with this, is you can say, well, this is what I do to meditate, and I'm following my routine, and I sit down, close my eyes, and this is the track that I follow, and we can not be paying attention to the fact that we're falling asleep. <laughs> you know, three minutes after we close our eyes then we've basically switched off and we're not, we're not connected uh, with, with the mind or what's going on. Or it can be that, um, yes, we, uh, we, this is the track that we follow. We sit down and we spend half the time opening our eyes, checking the clock uh, and sort of waiting for the meditation to be over <laughs> uh, so that we can follow particular tracks uh, just out of force of habit or even a sense of duty. Okay. The teacher told me to do it this way. I do it the way the teacher told me. This is how I've been practicing for 20 years. Therefore, it must be right. And so, you know, and I'm you know, speaking from personal experience here as well, not, uh, uh, not just sort of saying, you know, other people are like this, but we can get into a rut. We just get into a, a familiar, say, routine, and we can just um, follow along. So going through the motions of meditation, sitting down, closing our eyes, sort of doing the practice, quote, unquote, <laughs> And, and not having that quality of, of wise reflection, consideration. And that's where the element of mindfulness comes in. Say, okay, how is, this, how is this going? What's the result of this? Is this working? Um, I have been very faithfully and patiently been, uh, been doing this for, for 20 years. What's the result? <laughs> uh, okay, I don't want to be disrespectful for the, for the teacher. I don't want to, to go against the the instructions that I, I have faith in, but am I being 
again going back to the the image of, of you know, or the the balancing of faith and wisdom okay am i being too trusting here maybe i should have more discrimination and yeah i i trust the words of the teacher i trust the the, the instructions that i followed yeah uh, i'm i'm taking that as being true why do i think that's true what's the result of following those instructions uh, is it working and so that that uh, uh, say bringing that quality of the sort of examination and exploring, uh, and then and then letting the system adjust, be gui being guided by that that sort of overarching attunement to the, the the situation, how things are working, and rather than just following the instructions and blindly assuming they must be giving me the right results, <laughs> that. Uh, uh, to say, well, is this working? What's the result of it? Is this actually liberating? Is this actually helpful? Is this uh, enabling me to 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 be more peaceful, more more free, and more uh, awake in my life? Is this helping me to get along with other people in a in a better way? What what's the result of this? So, with respect to um, that side of it, then yeah the uh, the buddha said that uh, the, this quality of of mindfulness actually in the commentary to this this sutta the, in the commentary it says that mindfulness like uh, just as salt improves the flavor of every curry and i appreciate that uh, uh, people might have issues with <laughs> with using salt in your cooking but this is the the commentary uh, this is how the commentary phrases it just as salt improves the flavor of every curry and just as a, a skilled uh, government minister improves the well-being of the nation, so too mindfulness is useful in all situations. So sometimes the energizing factors are helpful, sometimes they're not helpful. Sometimes the calming factors are helpful, sometimes they're not helpful. But mindfulness is always helpful. So that's one of those situations where more is better in terms of, of, uh, of mindfulness and what it, uh, what it contributes to the, the whole system. Mindful that my mouth is getting dry <laughs> with all this talking. So then, um, with respect to, to mindfulness, then maybe the uh, the last thing to share with you all this morning by way of, of opening comments and uh, reflections for the day, uh, along with those um, those two sets of, uh, of qualities, the the five spiritual faculties and the seven factors of enlightenment, uh, then. To speak a little bit more about mindfulness. So in both of those lists, and just the simple word sati is used to refer to mindfulness. And uh, in mindfulness is something that is you know, very, uh, very broadly spread around the world. There are many, many different programs of different kinds, mindfulness in schools, mindfulness in, in the workplace, mindfulness in uh, in uh, the uh, in the military, mindfulness in the criminal justice system. Um, it's uh, in many, many areas in various ways, shapes and forms, then mindfulness is being sort of promoted and developed, has been seen to be incredibly helpful and beneficial in, in many, many areas. But just the, the word mindfulness contains a, a spectrum of different qualities. And so I, I feel it will be, it's helpful to, to, to look at that because the, the most sort of common definition of mindfulness, uh, say to, to use John Kabat-Zinn's words, is um, the awareness that arises from paying attention 
on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So that, yes, that, that, that is a, a kind of mindfulness, I would say. I'm not trying to be critical of, of John. He's a, a good friend and I have a great respect for the, the work that he's done and the, the very beneficial results of, of, his, uh, of his efforts since the late 70s, you know, more than 40 years of, of engagement and, uh, and sharing this understanding. Uh, but I do feel that's a, as a definition that is, that is somewhat limited and it doesn't really cover the, the dimensions of mindfulness in its fullness and the mindfulness that is genuinely liberating and I would say uh, results in a, uh, an, an unshakable quality of well-being. That's very different. That's a, a whole different quality. The mindfulness of just sort of paying attention on purpose in the present moment. Um, uh, as Ajahn Chah would, would often say, you know, a cat is mindful when it's hunting a mouse. You know, it, it's paying attention. It's it's focused on its uh, its target. Then, you know, the cat is looking and listening carefully to see the you know movement of, of uh, uh, and so it's it's hungry and it wants to catch the mouse. And so that is a kind of mindfulness. It's it's a a um, a paying attention and it's 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 focused. But that I, I would suggest. Uh, that that is not a, a kind of mindfulness that is intrinsically liberating. And so oftentimes people say, well, how can you have mindfulness being practiced in the military? You know, uh, the, my, how, are you teaching uh, people who are, who are snipers to be mindful? How can, how can you be a mindful sniper? Or, you know, uh, or how can you deliberately take life uh, in a mindful way? How does that work? So I would say that that, that basic uh, or sort of a, uh, a kind of rudimentary kind of mindfulness of paying attention. Yes, it is, it is a kind of mindfulness, but I would say it's more closely related to just paying attention or concentrating on the, the task in hand. And it doesn't necessarily have any kind of moral element to it. So, um, and, and there, I know this is a, a hot topic. <laughs> There's different opinions around it, but I, I feel it's helpful to think, to recognize that sometimes the word mindfulness is used for just that very uh, sort of uh, rudimentary uh, uh, kind of uh, functional kind of, of paying attention, and the element of what is wholesome, what is not, uh, what is not wholesome, that's that's sort of missed out altogether. So I would say that's the mindfulness of a of a cat hunting a mouse or a squirrel jumping through a tree to land on the next branch. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind of, uh, of an acuteness of attention. There is a concentration there. But that's not the mindfulness that is that is really a spiritual quality and is liberating. And I would say that in terms of what is the samasati, the, the mindfulness that's attuned to, to, to reality, to nature, uh, that is part of the Eightfold Path, that, uh, that sort of what we call you know, right mindfulness or mindfulness attuned to, to Dhamma, that necessarily involves a, a discernment of what is wholesome, what is unwholesome. There's an element of, 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 of moral sensitivity. Well, we, yesterday we, someone was asking about Kiri and Otapa, that, that kind of moral sensitivity. If this action is followed, uh, is it gonna be uh, painful to another being? Is it gonna be harmful? Is it, is it going against the law? Is this based on taking advantage of somebody else? You know, so that um, you, know, you could be, uh, paying attention as you as you hack into a computer to rob a bank, or you, as you as you mindfully de deceive your your partner, you you kind of carefully 
tell them a, a lie about where you're going to be at lunchtime and you're actually going off to a, an assignation with a uh, someone who's not your partner. <laughs> well, that, that is a paying of attention. You're concentrating on the task, but that's not a mindfulness that is liberating. So I, I feel it's helpful to make that, that um, distinction that yes, there are ways that we can train attention that are not associated with anything that's genuinely beneficial or liberating. And that if it's, if it's within the bounds of, of mindfulness as the Buddha is using it or praising it as a wholesome quality, or as is being used in these lists of the, the five spiritual faculties or the, the seven factors of enlightenment, that mindfulness, that sati, necessarily involves this discernment of what's, uh, what's uh, helpful, what's harmful, what's beneficial, what's not beneficial. And, uh, and so that uh, I would say that, uh, uh, again, that people are uh, welcome to ask questions in the, the Q&A periods that we have, but... Uh, uh, I would suggest that's a, a, a very helpful distinction to make. And if it's the kind of mindfulness that the Buddha is referring to as part of the Eightfold Path, then there's necessarily that recognition of what is, uh, what is wholesome, what is beneficial, and what is unwholesome, what's unbeneficial as a, as a natural part of it. So I would call that the, the, uh, the, what we can say is, is attuned mindfulness or, or samasati, that uh, it's in, in accordance with, with Dhamma. It's a, a, a liberating quality. So the next level of mindfulness is what we call mindfulness and clear comprehension or mindfulness and full awareness. The, the Pali word for that is sati sampajanya. And that means being aware of the time, the place, the situation. So it's like a, not just a paying attention to an object, but to the context uh, the object is appearing in. So I'm aware that I, I've been speaking for a while and uh, aware that uh, the, the clock in the corner of my computer says 10.43. So there's the, the, the sati sampajanya, the mindfulness and full awareness says, okay, I better uh, sort of wrap up this part of the presentation because at 10.45, we're gonna be having our first sitting of the day. So that time and place and situation, the, the context for what we're experiencing uh, Ajahn Sumedho would use the, the term uh, intuitive awareness to refer to this, because you can be mindfulness and, and clear comprehension can, it, can imply that you understand everything that's going on, but you can be in the dark. You can not know what's going on, but you can be fully aware that you don't know what's going on. So that, that sense of it's dark, I'm not sure what's in front of me, so be careful where you put your foot down. Uh, a, a, an example, yesterday I mentioned I'm slightly lame in my right foot, and that's because of, a, a, of my first introduction to mindfulness and full awareness, or, or mindfulness and, and, uh, and clear comprehension, was my first week in the monastery in Thailand. I was very enthusiastic about Buddhism and med meditation, and I decided to, try to, to chop up some firewood, some kindling, for the villagers to, to use to start their fires with. There's no electricity. And so they, they would cook on these little uh, fires. They would start with, with um, charcoal and, and wood. And so I was, uh, uh, I grew up on a farm, so I knew how to cut wood safely. Um, and I'd been chopping wood since I was a small child. And so I would take a stick of wood and stand it up and then I'd bring the machete down. And, uh, and then I'd stand it up, take my hand out of the way and bring the machete down and split the wood. So then I had the thought, well, mindfulness, is really, this is really important. So even though I'm taking my hand out of the way before I bring the machete down, if I don't take my hand out of the way quickly enough, I might injure myself. So hmm, how can I find a way around this? So I know I'll hold the, the, the piece of wood between my feet instead. 
that way my hand will be perfectly safe. So I can see Sue putting her, her <laughs> making the, uh, the brow clutching gesture that oh, I know where this is gonna go. And it did go that way. So I, I took the, the piece of wood between my feet, stood it up on end, mindfully, quote unquote, lined up the machete with the top of the stick thinking my hands are perfectly safe. You know, my, my left hand is not in the way. And then, and then of course I'd already learned the Buddhists do everything three times. So I brought the, the machete down and lined it up with the top of the stick, you know, uh, three times or, or, you know, did it twice. twice. And then the third time brought the blade down and it skipped off the top and went about an inch and a half into my right foot. That's why I'm slightly lame in my right foot. So blood gushing everywhere, severed tendons, and me looking down at this hole in my foot going, you moron, <laughs> you, you idiot. How could you be so stupid? So, uh, so that was a, a, a very uh, misguided kind of mindfulness or mindfulness and not full awareness, uh, that not recognizing here's a sharp knife coming down towards a soft foot with, with vigorous strength behind it. So that was a, an object lesson in mindfulness and, uh, and full awareness. And that, yeah, don't just pay attention to the object, pay attention to the context that it is appearing in. And then the last level of mindfulness, so what I, I call holistic mindfulness, so I call that, that second level um, informed mindfulness, uh, that uh, with mindfulness and, and the context of uh, that it's appearing in, the objects appearing in. So the, the holistic mindfulness is recognizing that in this moment, what we're experiencing is sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, uh, arising and passing away. We're looking at our computer screens, our, our phones or our iPads or whatever, uh, but there is this moment is woven together through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, uh, and it takes shape in this way, but this is a, a, a flow of mental impressions, is a flow of sense perceptions and, and thoughts. It's, it, it's uh, and uh, say so the world is happening in the mind. It's known through the agency of the mind. So that holistic mindfulness is recognizing that all the different aspects of experience are, are, are woven together through the, the activity of the senses, the thinking mind. And so it's in a way that recognizing the, the phenomenological nature of experience. It's we each know our mind's version of the world. We, we move around, we say the world is out there, or uh, we, say, we say that we are seeing the world and knowing the world, but the holistic mindfulness is that uh, a steadiness of attention and appreciation that what we are knowing is our mind's version of the world. It's a, it's a subjective impression. And that uh, when, the, uh, and when we talk about the development of insight of Vipassana, then it's a lot to do with appreciating that fluid and uh, experiential nature of reality, that the mind is putting together its version of the world, of this being, of other beings. And so it's uh, seeing that all patterns of experience are in a state of change. No particular pattern can permanently and absolutely satisfy. And all these different patterns are not truly and completely who and what we are. So these are themes that I'll look at in a bit more detail during the day, but I'll leave my opening reflections and presentation there for now. So we can have a period of sitting meditation for the next 
40 minutes or so, so please uh, arrange yourselves in a comfortable, uh, appropriate posture and uh, have a sitting meditation period and I'll give a little bit of guidance along the way.